T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It's Beamaz and Beamer, News Radio 930 WBEN. All right, that, that's a good uh, tune to get us into a Tuesday morning here on WBEN. Like Beamaz and Beamer. I like a good Tuesday song, you know? Go. Uh, but uh, yeah, feeling pretty good this morning and uh, getting ready for. Actually, I will say I, I do miss looking outside. Yesterday it was nice and sunny out oh, here. It was great. And you had the sunglasses on just to be in the studio. Right now it's like, eh. Yeah, cloudy. It's gonna be like this the next few days. Blah. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> it doesn't quite feel <laughs> as nice. Uh, but you know, we're here to brighten your day uh, with Beamass and Beamer. And you know, nothing brightens your day like talking about COVID, the vaccine, and mandates. I mean, when you say those three words in succession, I'm like, wow. Yeah, I'm. Uh, things are looking up. Let's uh, go out there and <laughs> let's uh, start talking about it. But no, we've uh, heard. You know, it's a few things over the past. Uh, 24 hours, really, uh, since, it, like I said, everything happens after we get off the air. And, you know, we're, we're just trying to set the tone for all of it. Um, but you had the University of Buffalo announcing its uh, COVID vaccine uh, mandate and their new policy, which is a, a little bit different from their old policy. So they had said that students would be mandated to have the vaccine if they wanted to go to in-person classes in the past. What was new yesterday is they said that this will happen as soon as the FDA gives their approval, which is up in the air. So you don't know when that's going to happen. But if you don't get your vaccination before or two weeks before, right, uh, because that's how long it takes to be considered fully vaccinated. If you don't have that two weeks before, whenever that date is, which is only expected to happen, quote, soon, then you are, you know, out of luck if Kicked you're trying to go and do class. That's yeah. you, you can't do that. So it's kind of a, a guessing game. It's we're going to at some point soon, there is going to be a vaccine mandate and uh, it's up to you to get vaccinated before that happens. Now, over in New York City, it, basically anywhere you want to go indoors, that's not an office building, a church or a K through 12 school. You are going to have to show proof of vaccination uh, starting today, September 13th, is when enforcement begins. And healthcare workers will also be mandated to get the vaccine. Uh, it's before uh, there's, a, I don't have the date in front of me, at some point next month. So that all happening in the last 24 hours. Yes. A pretty big news day. That's pretty big. The UB thing, though, you would think you would get some kind of grace period after the FDA. Um, approval of the drug instead of just saying because 
like you said, it's soon. So maybe within two weeks, how about if you only had your first shot? You know, you would think there'd be some kind of grace period between that FDA approval and you be saying, okay, now this is an effect. Especially if you're dealing with a population of 18 to 22 year olds who are not vaccinated in a a large, you know, uh, portion. I mean, it's about half. Uh, the people of that in that age group right. have gotten their uh, total uh, vaccination number. It, there's less of an urgent need for people in those age groups to feel like they need to go and get vaccinated based on everything that we're seeing as far as hospital data and deaths and serious outcomes. So uh, you would think, you know, maybe two weeks after or something like that. Right. But it's kind of a guessing game at the University at Buffalo. And we do have a special guest uh, joining us on the program today, and uh, happy to bring on Eva Doyle, who, if you haven't been to WBEN.com, uh, Eva Doyle, who's a columnist, a prominent leader in the Buffalo community, just had an auditorium named after her. Congratulations, by the way, Eva. Um, it, she wrote an opinion piece with an eye on history that you can find on WBEN.com. Why there continues to be the so-called vaccine hesitancy in minority communities in Western New York and around the country. Eva, thanks for being with us. Yes. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. Uh, I appreciate it. And I also want to thank WBEN for posting my my article on its website. Thank you. Well, I, I think it is a very interesting article. And for people who have not read it, um, if you can kind of give us a, a summary uh, of what you're stating here, because we do see it in the numbers, and the question is always comes up as to, you know, why? It, it seems like there is a, a diverse um, population. We see it in very rural communities, and then we see it in heavily minority uh, communities, right, uh, where there is this lower vaccination rate. Uh, what have you seen um, that you stated in the article that you would say is the reason for that? Well, um, first of all, let me just give a brief uh, backdrop, um, my column I on history uh, is the way that I write to inform and educate people on a historical perspective on a variety of issues. And I've written 4,000 plus articles over the years. But this particular situation with the vaccine hesitancy um, concerned me a, a great deal. And uh, from talking with, uh, and, and as a columnist, I talked to a lot of people in my community. I'm specifically speaking of the African-American community. And I read a lot of articles coming from various papers around the country. Um, there, this vaccine hesitancy is not only from the communities, um, minority communities here in Western New York, but it, it, it's across the country. And um one of the major reasons people talk about is the fact that large numbers of uh, people in this community and around the country do not really trust the vaccine. Um, they don't trust the government, period. And one of the reasons for that is because they still remember a lot of the um, medical atrocities that have occurred historically when it came to when it comes to African Americans and the maltreatment that they have received. And of course one of the biggest ones is this Tuskegee experiment uh, on black men and, and um, many years ago in the 1940s that actually lasted for 40 years. 
and and but there are a lot of others now. When I when I write an article such as the one I wrote, and the title was "Why Blacks Continue to Resist the COVID Vaccine," um, I have to say that I I only have so much space, so I can't really expand it. But when I wrote it in my column that appears in the Criterion newspaper. I expanded upon that, and I gave several examples other than Tuskegee that a lot of people are aware of in my community, but the general um, uh, western New York area may not be aware of. So I think that this is a major problem. I do. We do have low numbers when it comes to people getting vaccine, uh, African Americans um, in particular. Um, the numbers are very, very low. And this is becoming a very important issue. Uh, as you stated when you gave your opening remarks, more and more places are going to be asking to see proof of vaccine. Um, uh, and it's coming down. As a matter of fact, when I did the interview with Mr. Mike Baggerman, I told him, I said, you know, the, the government and all of the um, businesses and the schools, they're doing this step by step, but there's going to come a day, and I really believe it, that it's going to be a universal mandate all across the United States. They're just doing it a little bit at a time, because you know, as newsmen, you have seen the demonstrations, uh, the anti, I guess they call them anti-vaxxers, um, but you haven't seen large numbers of African Americans demonstrating because we t we keep a lot of things within our community. Um, I sort of like um, because I'm a journalist and and I well, I'm I'm kind of well known. I'm able to get to people. I'm able to talk to people, so I know how they are feeling. But this is a very important issue, and I stressed in my article that the leadership in this community must begin to address it because it's going to become a real problem when people cannot, um, it's going to affect people's jobs, it's going to affect uh, people's access to education, and uh, and a lot of things are going to come now. Now, when I, and Joe, Joe Mr. Peeber, you remember when I was on the hard line and I, I uh, was asked the question, um, did I get, vaccinated. Now, this is some time ago. And I said, no, at the time, uh, I was hesitant. I was very hesitant about it. And because of this history that I knew about, and I was concerned. But um, later on, I gave it a lot of thought. And I, I thought about my family. I thought about the fact that I wanted to see my grandchildren and my great-grands. I thought about the fact that I wanted to return to my church, so I made a decision to get it. So I got my first dose in March on my birthday and my second dose on Easter Sunday. And now I'm hearing there's probably going to be some booster shots coming down the road, but I'll have to look into that later. But this is a serious problem. Um, when I have seen, uh, of course, the past year we've had a lot of updates uh, by our, uh, well, I guess, I don't know if it's governor or former governor, but we had a lot of updates when we had the statistics and the information flowing in the media. And what concerned me is as I looked at the people surrounding um, these updates, 
I didn't see too many African-American medical professionals. And I said to myself that if they, they really want this to really come down to the black community, we need to see our doctors. We need to see our own health professionals giving us information. Eva, you touched on that in the piece that you wrote at WBEN.com, which I thought was interesting. And it's actually something that we've kind of made note of here. And I think it expands beyond the black community that you're addressing in your piece that you wrote, where you said it's not going to happen if we continue to see people in high places telling the community what they should do. And I think that kind of applies to a lot of people. If you have not gotten the vaccine so far, um, what makes you think that changing your mind is going to be all about somebody, once again, just kind of beating you over the head, the same voice that you maybe don't trust, uh, saying over and over again, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. I mean, it's the same message. Yes, yes. I, I made the statement that, you know, people talking at us, is not going to get the job done. Uh, we need a new approach. We need to get people that the, the, our community itself needs to be involved. I do have to make the, the note that we do have a number of people working on this issue. We have a, a wonderful community health center um, here in the city of Buffalo with Dr. Ansari. We have Jericho Road. They, they're, they're doing some good work. But there's still a lot of work left to do. And I'm doing my part. I always believe, gentlemen, whenever there's a problem in my community, I I don't just complain about it. I have to get involved in it. I have to educate people, and I have to try to find some kind of solution in my own way. But this is a serious problem, and it needs to be addressed. You know, Eva, we're seeing mandates, as you mentioned, we're we're seeing mandates in New York City now. We're seeing mandates at uh, certain colleges around the uh, nation. Do you think mandates like that are going to get vaccination numbers up in minority communities? Well, from some some people, and and I'm saying some because I don't want to paint a a breast as everybody, but people have such strong opinions that um, I, I don't know whether that's going to work with a lot of people who feel very strongly about this uh, this whole thing of African-Americans being mistreated in the medical uh, uh, health care fields for many, many years. Um, they're really hard-pressed against it, so it's going to take a lot of information. It's going to take a lot of people within my own community, because I mentioned the fact that we are going to be the ones uh, that are going to solve our own problem. And I strongly believe that. And, and, and it's going to take leadership. We're going to take good, strong leadership, which in some cases I feel is, is not the way that it should be. So uh, it's hard work. Um, we're going to have to talk to people. We're going to have to use our own platforms, and we do have them, our own media, to reach those people who res- resisted. And, and I was talking to a, a someone the other day, um, because, like I said, it's not everybody thinking like this, but she was against it because she had a bad experience with the vaccine. So you got some people who have those bad experiences. Well, I do understand that. 
But I, my my recommendation is for people to really think about it, get the information, look at the science, talk to their healthcare professionals, talk to their families, and then make a decision. But I think one of these I think one of these days, gentlemen, and it's coming very soon. Whether you are an African American or whether you whether you live in whatever community, it's going to come down to the fact that you're going to have to make a serious decision because these mandates are coming at us fast and furious. Eva, uh, have you talked to any local politicians about, you know, because Brian and I talk about this a lot, the messaging around the vaccine and, you know, it's people that other, you know, it's people that people don't trust telling you to get the vaccine. Have you talked to any local politicians and and gotten that message to them that, you know, people want to hear this from more than just uh, people in high places? Well, I haven't, to be honest with you, I haven't really specifically talked to any a politician about this particular subject. I just have written, and this is not the only article that I've, I've written, but a lot of people in high places do read my column. They have told me that. So um, I, I'm, I'm betting on the fact that they're reading the column, they're thinking about this, these issues, and uh, I think it's going to have an impact. And I, uh, I, I just got an email uh, this past week from a local pastor who is encouraging his congregation. He's a well-known person. He's encouraging his congregation to get the vaccine. So um, the pastors are going to be key because if you know the history of the black church. The black church has been a leader in so many of our struggles going back years and years. So I believe that the pastors who have uh, a, an audience, a captive audience on Sundays, of course not so much in person, but still virtually they do the, their sermons, I think you're going to see more and more of that. And I'm hoping that, that the people who read my column, who are in leadership positions, will take it seriously and begin to address this particular uh, problem that's going to be a crisis if we don't do something about it. Yeah, to that crisis point, Eva, when you see the mandates that are going on right now, is that going to have a, a negative impact uh, currently in the African-American community? I, I mean, I look at something like the University of Buffalo making this announcement, and you look at the vaccination rates amongst all minorities, uh, it, it's less than half, especially in the age group that we're talking about where college would be an option. I mean, you're cutting off college to a lot of people who uh, need this and uh, need this as a way to uh, further advance their life. And and what happens then if you're not getting into that situation? Um, And, and, you know, the same could go for some other jobs or or other places where these mandates apply. But are you worried about the impact that this could have if these mandates come so quickly? Yes, I, excuse me, I am, I am concerned about it, but but I do have a ray of hope because my son, I have three adult sons, and this is my youngest son. Before I got the vaccine, he had been the first one in our family to get the vaccine about a month or so before I did. And um, he never really put any pressure and said, Ma, you need to do this or you need to do that. But he set the example. So as a result of that, and he's a young person, I said, you know what, I'm going to do it. He went with me 
both times to get them to give me some support. And he also said to me, because he's a young man, he knows a lot of young people throughout the African-American community. He knows a lot of young people in the streets. And so he felt by him doing it that he could be an example for other young men that he comes across, and he talks about it with his friends. So to me, that's a ray of hope. When one takes a leadership role, that person can impact uh, others. But I don't think it's going to just be young people in the African-American community, too, who are going to be concerned about the vaccine. I mean, you read about health. Some health care professionals, and these are younger people, are resisting the vaccine. I think we're going to have trouble down the road uh, in this country. Um, I'm hoping that um, my community steps up to the plate, I mean, you know, because I'm – you know, I'm concerned because I live here. I live in the heart of the black community. I chose to live in the heart of the black community when I could move out into the suburban community because there's work to do here, and I am committed to do that work. Eva, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Yes, and you thank you very much, and I want to just thank Mr. Tim Wanger for, um, you know, uh, inviting me to do uh, an article from time to time. And you gentlemen have a very good day. Hey, thank you, you so too. much, Eva. You too. That's Eva Doyle, and that article she's talking about you can read over at WBEN.com. We'll be back after this on BMAS and... T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. It's Beamaz and Beamer. Now, Brian Mazarowski and Joe Beamer. News Radio 930 WBEN. Been missing this one. What's that? It's Bump. Yeah. Been missing it. I like it. It's been a, it's been a while. It's the... We're feeling it. Yeah, this is the wake up. It's Tuesday bump. <laughs> I uh, I do love it. Um, but yeah, back here, BMS and Beaver on WB. Yeah, if you missed our uh, first segment, uh, you'll want to go back and listen on demand in the Odyssey app or WBEN.com, anywhere you get your podcast to BMS and Beamer. We spoke with Eva Doyle, columnist, uh, leader in the black community, and she uh, wrote a guest piece for WBEN.com on vaccine 
hesitancy in the black community that I think is very interesting and uh, had some thoughts on vaccine mandates kind of backfiring, at least in the very short term when it comes to, you know, doing what they're supposed to do. It, it, Joe, I mean, something that we've said a, a lot here on this program, and she wrote it on uh, her own in a totally different uh, frame of mind, talking to a totally different audience. It won't happen if we continue to see people in high places telling the community what they should do. I mean, she talked to us about kind of talking at or talking down to it's right other people what well, it seems like it it always is and the further we go along here um you know and the further people go unvaccinated that's what you hear it's that tone um of talking down to uh people who have not been vaccinated from again people that you know aren't very well liked to begin with politicians aren't well trusted and i think eva makes a great point that it's not going to be politicians that are finally going to convince people it is going to be people they trust uh people in leadership people uh you know you know um pastors in in the church that's where it's going to be it's not going to be uh the same politician that's been talking since january and again now that we're in august you know i'm sure it will just keep on going down this path it's more of that talk down to talk at you tone and uh, i don't think anyone's going to listen to that and uh what do you think you can let us know 803-0930 give us a call or send us a text on the volkswagen of orchard park text board um if you are in agreement or if you're not so what you think about the increasing vaccination mandates a lot of them announced just within the last 24 hours and you know just kind of uh, again looking at the piece that she wrote you can find at wben.com This is from Eva Doyle. The images we've seen on television from the CDC to Governor Andrew Cuomo during the pandemic have contributed to the mistrust. And she later continues. And this is, I think, such an important point. Black people are intelligent. What they see often are people talking at them. Right. And I think you can even expand that to everybody else. Right. Right. I mean, it's not just. In the black community, I think it's in a lot of rural communities, right, where you see you log online and it's people talking to you like you are in third grade yeah, and like you just have no idea what's going on. And that's not exactly what you want to do to elicit a positive response from somebody. In case you didn't know, I I mean, my son's learning that right now in the Barney episodes that he watches (laughs) that, you know, being nice, uh, you catch more flies with honey, right? Than you do uh, by you know, talking at or talking down to somebody. I, it, it would just kind of stand to reason that the same would apply here. Yeah, you take a certain tone. I, I'm going to tell you a personal experience. You talk, if someone was trying to get me to do something, but they did it in you know, a demeaning tone, uh, you know, use those kind of words that seem that they were talking down to you, that's only going to make me resist the vaccine more if i was an if i was a um, unvaccinated person i i would say that would just have me resisting the vaccine more if all you're going to do is the same people the, the same people every day uh continue to talk down to me again that demeaning tone that we hear now or see on social media that's not like you said it's not going to change anyone's mind it's if your goal is to get people to to go get vaccinated, that is doing the complete opposite, in my opinion. And quite frankly, I think a lot of people just don't understand the uh, combative mentality that a lot of people have. It includes myself, you know, to a large extent of the way where it's just you don't like somebody trying to tell you what to do. And it doesn't matter. I can agree with what you're telling me what to do, (laughs) but it is there is something in my nature where I will push back on it because I... I'm the boss of myself, right? Yeah. And I think there's 
there is a complete, and, and I, it's a lot of the voices that you hear online where I, they are just not that type of people. They no. don't understand, you know, the, uh, listen, I don't trust you to begin with. I am smart enough to make a decision for myself. Don't tell me otherwise. And don't try and force me to do something that I don't want to do. Don't shove things in my face and tell me that uh, you're giving me the right information. You're the authority on something. That is, uh, that's a very real attitude that I think is true of a lot of people. I subscribe to that a little bit myself where it's, you know, listen, you push me, we push back. Right. And for some reason, um, you know, people still haven't seen that and they don't quite quite understand that mindset. But you said it perfectly. They don't understand. And the people in power, the people in high places that Eva Doyle talks about, they don't care to understand. I mean, they have not shown anyone that they care to understand where those who are resistant to the vaccine stand, why they are that way. They don't care. All they care about is is telling you what to do. Again, getting in that demeaning tone. They don't step back for a second and say, well, let me talk to somebody. Let me try to understand. Let me read Eva's column. Let me listen to what she has to say. Let me try to understand where this hesitancy comes from. All those people that are pointing the finger saying you, you have to get vaccinated, you're part of the problem. They don't. They don't step back and try to understand. I think part of, too, why, um, and you know, when she says that the vaccine mandate could contribute to this sense of mistrust, could uh, potentially backfire, especially if it's implemented so quickly, uh, not just talking about uh, mistrust, but also these unintended consequences of who we are blocking out of higher education, who are blocking out of places of business and so on and so forth. I think a lot of this also has to do with the way these things are being implemented, right? Um, Where it's just not quite clear. There's so many questions. So on the day, let's look at New York City. On the day where this is being implemented, which is today, um, now it's a month from now, uh, a little under a month from now, and this is actually going to be enforced. But today is, um, you know, the day where they put on, said, all right, a vaccine mandate to basically do anything in New York City. And, you know, in some of these places, there's the vaccination mandate, and, and then you'll also be required to wear a mask. And then some places, you won't be required to wear a mask on top. And so that's the part where it's like, well, what what are we doing here? And then it's how you prove your vaccination that I think gets a lot of people thinking, what exactly is, you know, this seems so jumbled up. This doesn't seem to make sense. So you have your Excelsior Pass that you can oh, use right. that uh, doesn't work only if you are a New Yorker who's gotten a vaccine in New York State. And even for some other people, it doesn't work. And then for a lot of people, like uh, myself included, I'm just not downloading another state app <laughs> on my phone. I'm sorry uh, you know, to say I don't uh, want the Easy Pass. I don't want the Excelsior. I, you know, I can... New York State, not on your phone. Yes, New York State is not on my phone. Uh, you can show your official card from the CDC, right? Um, So you you can do that. Or you can pull out a physical or digital photo of your card if you're worried about losing that document, which I would love to see somebody pull out a Polaroid of their CDC card, and that is officially a way that you can uh, prove vaccination. But then I I also love this. Um, and this is how their app is described in New York City. It's the New York City, the key to New York City, as uh, Mayor de Blasio calls it. 
It's the New York City COVID Safe app. And they describe it as an option for storing a photo of your vaccination card. Why would I need a separate app to store a photo on my phone? Yeah, my phone has that. Has that folder. I store thousands of photos (laughs) on my phone with no problem at all. Right. Why do I need a separate app for that? And, uh, you know, listen, I... I understand that most people, right, are just like, well, whatever. You know, it's a car. You don't need the app if you want. But reading things like that, like, again, if you have that mindset like I do, if you have that mindset like a lot of people, like, what? You're creating a special photo folder for my phone? Like, what What am I, an idiot? Like, do why would I possibly, why would I ever need this? What is your reasoning for wanting to put an app on my phone? It's those you're only inviting those questions yeah. to come in b- by putting these things out. I mean, it could just be a flat, hey, your card or a picture of your card is fine with your ID. A- and I think a lot of people would look at it and say, okay, well, that kind of makes sense to me. Now we're talking about three different apps, you know, five different ways, all these different things. Um, where do we, where do we not? And people start asking questions. And of course, this happens on the same day where we have news of there's a potentially a booster shot. That could be recommended for people. After eight months. Who is this recommended for? Uh, Right now, depending on what report you read, it's just recommended for people who have the Pfizer vaccine. Or it's just recommended for everybody who's had a vaccine. And we don't know which uh, vaccine uh, the booster shot is giving you. If you have a Johnson & Johnson vaccine and you get a booster of another one, I mean, how does that work? Why are we talking about this now when we're still seeing the tremendous efficacy of the vaccine and preventing against hospitalization or death from COVID. Right. So it's just inviting all these questions, and it's a very convoluted response to the entire issue that I don't think you can be surprised why still we're continuing to see confusion, pushback, and people just kind of unwilling to take anybody at their word anymore. Well, and people who are unvaccinated, Brian, they look at people who are vaccinated. They even look at the people that, you know, all they do is tweet about how dare you be unvaccinated. But they see, as you said, that confusion, right? Every report that comes out from uh, about the vaccine now, it seems like it's reported 18 different ways, just like with COVID. Remember, the Delta variant is uh, is contagious as the chickenpox. It, it, the way it's reported, this confusing language, it all goes back to what I've been saying since April, that it's the messaging around the, the vaccine. And what you are doing more than not is having unvaccinated people point to that to, to, to any article or to something out of the White House. Uh, and they point to it and they say, huh, see, told you, they don't even know what's going on. And that it, it's so that da- that uh, messaging is so dangerous. Uh, they, they are right now. The people trying to get you vaccinated are their own worst enemy. It's it's too <laughs> I think it's just too much coming at people all at once. Right. Where you have all this. You're trying to sort through. Find out, you know, okay, what do I need to do to be able to grab a bite to eat? Right. And, and you're now all of a sudden in this tsunami of information that some of it makes sense, some of it doesn't. And then we're expecting people to just say, well, yeah, just, you know, whatever. We'll trust it. My question we'll, we'll about go the, around. the key to New York, the mandates in New York City, is this going to be a forever thing? And, and that's the other thing, right? If we're talking about boosters, and then we're talking, so what exactly is proof of being vaccinated? Is it right. that plus a booster? Is it that plus, you know, how how longer do do we go? It's like talking about the masks 
in a, a show, a concert, any event where vaccinations also required. So if everyone here has been vaccinated or has a negative test, so we've taken a step, a tremendous step to prove that we're not at risk of COVID or that we don't have COVID and we're still requiring the mask, you know, what that tells me that this is something that you, you want to do forever. Right. Which I think if you ask most people, they would say, no, no, that's not something we want no. to do forever. So I think making sense of all this to clearly communicate if you have a good reason to do something, why? And then also to just kind of take a step back and when after you're writing these rules, put it in front of somebody to look at. Like, hey, does this make sense to you? And, and see what the response is before we, uh, you know, just go totally uh, 100%. On board with it. You know, the, the, the New York City mandate thing, Brian, it's really interesting to me because, you know, so you have to have one of the three vaccines. Well, what about when everything does open back up, when people start flying back here, start traveling? New York City is one of the high, you know, high tourist areas. What if you have a vaccine that's not recognized well, they, in the United States? They did change that. They, oh, they did change that. So any WHO recommended vaccine okay. is what they uh, would accept for this. But so, you know, you laughed at me yesterday for saying this, but I think it's, I've got a point. Five years from now, we're still going to need a key to New York City? You no, know what I mean? I, like, it doesn't seem like it's ever going to go away. That's the question. When does it end? If, if we're going to accept the fact that COVID's going to be here for forever, right? and we're going to accept the fact that we're not New Zealand where someone has COVID How and ridiculous the entire country is put on house arrest, then you have to have the conversation of when does it end? When is enough enough? When have we reached the point? Where, you know, we talk about living with COVID. Uh, Living with COVID from here on out does not mean living six feet apart, masked. Living with COVID means living your life uh, with the knowledge that this thing is out there. Right. So when do you get to that point? I I think that is the question that a lot of people want answered. You you want some insight to that. And I I don't think things are helping when we see different headlines. You know, we talk about raising questions amongst people. Uh, we saw the headline, local news outlet, about children's hospitals across the country being pushed to their limits. COVID cases in children hitting all-time highs this weekend. And it's a story about illnesses on the rise in western New York. You have to dig into the story about four paragraphs down to see the fact that as we're talking to Children's Hospital here in Buffalo, that there are zero children admitted with COVID. And that we are actually talking about a different respiratory disease. We're talking about RSV cases on the rise. Yet still this story about something that's very serious for kids. And we're seeing a spike in this at a time of the year where we usually don't. That story is still somehow about COVID. And it's still we're not raising the alarm bells about a thing that you might want to take note of. We're sounding an alarm bell again about COVID. And what are we hearing? There's nothing for sure. There, you can't be 100% about anything if you are you know, truly interested in science, right? It's an ongoing discussion. But it is very possible. It's the old hygiene hypothesis. And we heard from some leaders in the UK that the results of being overly cautious with COVID for the past year could result in an immune deficiency yeah. Amongst younger children, we heard that, you know, that is a plausible thing from Dr. Kathy Grisanti with the uh, Pediatric Urgent Care earlier this morning when we spoke with her. 
And so these are things that need to be a part of the discussion. Uh, if we are causing harm because of our overcaution with COVID, I, the, this is part of the balance, right? Right. That we need to uh, take a look at. And we're not having, instead, when the conversation comes up, it's COVID, 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 COVID. And the problem of why we are seeing pediatric hospital admissions is almost being brushed to the side where you'd have to, you have to actually do some work to kind of figure that out. And it's not ridiculous to ask what have these COVID, you know, for the last 18 months wearing a mask, uh, you know, this COVID isolation, has, has that led to it? Because we're seeing numbers that we don't usually see until late November, and we are seeing surges in RSV cases in other parts of the state. But like you said, the focus always goes back to COVID, not, well, maybe it is what we're doing to protect from COVID that is also causing this, when, again, COVID has not proven to be uh, severe in children. Yeah, I don't know. It's just all, <laughs> every time you talk about it, your head spins and you uh, just come out shaking it, right? I mean, yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> I, you come out of any discussion being like, I, I grip my teeth and walk out of here just wondering when things are going to, when the that reasonable discussion is going to happen, when cooler heads are going to prevail. I think my problem is, Joe, I'm looking for this on the internet. But that's the last that's place it. to look for it. Last place to look for it. I think. I think the uh, the rational uh, conversation, Brian. We've been having it a lot lately. Uh, I think it's starting to take over in actuality. But you know, actuality never translates to uh, Twitter and Facebook. Unfortunately. Well, uh, maybe uh, we'll have a little bit more of the rational discussion tomorrow. We'll be back here. Joe, can't wait to see you. Oh, Brian, cannot wait for nine o'clock tomorrow here on WBEN. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 